Friends, welcome back to the Wild at Heart podcast here in the week of May 29th. John and Stacy Eldridge with you this week, which I'm delighted to have you here. Hon. I'm, I'm honored to be with you and, and all you listeners. And as is our sacred rhythm, our rule of life, our practice, we pause before we jump into the content recognizing that we need two things. We need to get out of the world and the madness every week. Just pause, let it go. But we do this also as a recognition that more than content and encouragement, we need God. We need the actual presence of God filling our lives. So let's pause and take a few moments and release absolutely everything to Jesus. And we always conclude our pause with praying for union. We pray for union, God. Heal our union with you. Restore, repair our union with you. Fill us with your love. Fill us with your life. Meet us here today, wherever we are, listening to this podcast. Meet us in it. Speak to us. Rescue us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. One of the really, um, I want to say fascinating, but that's not the right word, troubling. Troubling is the word. Informative, mm. instructional realities about Germany in the 1940s, late 30s and, and then 1940s and into World War II was the fact that so many good people, otherwise very decent, kind, even God-fearing people, got caught up in what became the Nazi regime, politically, military, te technology, manufacturing, all of it. They just, you know, they just got caught up in it and didn't really realize the horrors of what they had been swept up into until it was too late, mm. and until, you know, the atrocities began to come out. And, and sociologists and philosophers and psychologists have given a lot of time and ink to thinking through how does that happen. And the reason I bring it up today, friends, is that Stace and I, just at home in some of our personal conversations recently, have been really struck by the power of the world mm -hmm. again. Yes. Um, and, and the way the world so subtly gets in and just sweeps us downriver. Now, you know, down through the ages, the saints who were serious about their life with God and serious about soul care and, and forming the soul in union with God took three enemies very seriously. There was the world, sin, and the evil one, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And I think most people on a practical basis have some sense of their battle with sin. 
they have some sense of their battle with darkness at some level, but the world remains so vague for most people because it's so wispy in our moment. It's yes. so, well, what is that? And, and how does it really affect me? I'm not really sure it is affecting me that we want to speak to that today because it's been coming to us recently. We've just, we've either been colliding with it or found, finding ourselves ooh, in awkward tension with those around us. I, um, I think that that awkward tension has caused some fog to lift for us because I think, didn't you talk about the world being like you're stuck in an elevator and everybody has a cold and you're breathing the same air and you don't really know it, but you're catching the cold? Yes. We are the frog in the kettle. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We are those people in the elevator. So here, here's how it's happened recently. We've, we've had um, a couple friends, different people, good people recommend to us shows, series yes. that they have been enjoying as an encouragement for us to watch them too. And so we're like, oh, thank you. We're always looking for something new, you know, to, to enjoy. Yeah, a series. Yeah, in the evenings. And so we would put it on and get into it. And sometimes it would be 10 minutes into it. Sometimes it would be at least an episode and find ourselves pretty shocked. You're right, going, say, what, what? Whoa, turn that puppy off. Yeah. I, I Yeah, because like the sexual values, uh-huh. I, I don't or think- Or the language that was, but, you know, sexually oriented. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, language, that was kind of the first shocking thing. Some pretty explicit, like right out of the gate. Yeah. And like graphic, not explicit, graphic. Uh-huh. Like, whoa, and then- I don't think you're actually supposed to watch other people having sex with each other. Right. Pretty sure the scripture doesn't encourage that. Right. And 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 then it was like, whoa, the values. And we were, and we tried a couple different series mm-hmm. and abandoned them. Yeah. And then found ourselves wondering, like, wow, the world has really gotten in, even to to really good people that we love. Right, right. It's it's I think it has numbed us. There you go. To what um what is acceptable, what is okay. I mean, I can't take the violence for one thing. No. Graphic not, violence. The graphic violence, yeah. And, or yeah, or just the values and yes. the assumptions of this is a normal life, right? Cuz you're watching TV and I'm going to say more about this in a minute, but One of the things that make human beings human beings is that we are highly imitative creatures. Mm -hmm. We learn what to value, what is the good life. We learn how to live, how to treat others by what we watch. Yes. By what we observe. Yeah, it is affecting us. It is. And, And so I was just so... Yeah, we were just really kind of blown away. And here's the problem, folks. We can't tell you which shows because you're going to get mad at us. Because <laughs> like, you really like them. Exactly. Be like, wait a second. That's my favorite show. There's nothing wrong with that. Let's go, well, hang on. Listen to today's episode and, and, and then you can go back and have a look. Another way I've been recently shocked at the world has been my attachment to my iPhone. Oh, no. <laughs> wait. Like, 
you were telling me that night you're ready for a flip phone. Right, because I was aware of it. Okay, this is what happened. I say, I'm I'm seriously thinking about getting a flip phone. And you said, okay, honey. And you took my phone, which was right in front of me, and you just slid it like three feet away. And I, I felt it in my body. But stop it. Bring that back here. <laughs> wow. I know. I know. And, and, and it's things like this. It's things like um, texting. So people now assume because of the world, the air that we breathe, everybody in the elevator has the same cold. People just assume by texting that you're available 24-7 and that you will respond within three seconds. I mean, yeah, they'll text you on your vacation. They'll text you at work. They'll text you in meetings. There's no context of boundaries anymore. Mm. Like we are all available all the time. And part of what was getting awkward was I was not answering people's texts. Mm -hmm. At all? Well, no, I... You know, Sage that sits on our board said to us several years ago, you teach people how to treat you. Ah. And it's true. We educate people on what they can expect of us. So I, most of my friends now know that I will answer their text sometime in the next couple of days. Mm. But it is my way of saying no to that part of the world that's encroaching into Every last bit of personal space. That's really disruptive. Isn't it? Yeah. And then maybe just a third example for us recently has been the collision of values. Ooh, like this is where it gets really sticky. Of like, whoa, you, you spend your money on that? Or you think, as we mentioned in media, you think that's okay to watch? Or whoa, your, your choices are, are surprising me. And, and these are people in our world, people with good values, pe- but just an example of the world really, really getting in. So, and, and as we're talking right now, John, we're not saying that um, we haven't been affected. Oh, no. Like it, yes, it creeps in. And then every now and My again, gosh. Holy Spirit goes, say what? Um, and I want to go back to the media for just a minute because 40 years ago, 40 years ago, I still remember a sermon at the church where the um, pastor said, be careful what you're watching. Would you do a sewer line and have it pouring into your house? Because that's what you're doing if you are not careful about what you are, about what you're watching, about what you're ingesting. And that was 40 years ago. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm going to risk an example. So one of the series that we started enjoying and we were getting into because the characters are sympathetic and it's around a sports team. And in one of the episodes, one of the sympathetic characters, the next scene, you just suddenly confronted with this scene. It's click, new day, new scene. And he is waking up next to two women. Right. He's, He's not only in bed with a woman he's not married to, he's in bed with two women he's not married to. And, you, and it, it was just so shocking to me mm-hmm. that like, this is okay. And whoa, this is okay to my friends. This is a, whoa. And even if it's, you know that it's not okay, 
you, it's not okay. And you're just taking it yes. as part of the story. You've got to be careful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right, we're going <laughs> to stay with us, friends, because this this is worth it. That There are three great enemies of you, the life of your heart, right. the life of your soul, your life with God, three great enemies, the world, sin, and the evil one. And we're clear to some degree on sin. We're clear some degree on the evil one, but the world is so sneaky and it gets in in so many subtle ways. So let's let's go to scripture for a second. Let's, let's read 1 John 2. Okay, good. This is from um, the New Living Translation. Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Okay, pause. That's pretty intense right there. Right. Um, it continues. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. Yeah. The older saints would have called it the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the boastful pride of life. Yes, yes. And and what is that again? And why is friendship with that? Again, stronger translations have it, love of the world is hatred of God. Right. That's what it says other places. And, and they were urged to come apart from the world. Yes. Like be mm. separate yeah. from the world. Yeah. So so the lust of the eyes, right? Or a craving for the things we see may help. It's that's simply um, loving possessions, things, uh, physical things above God. Yes. Above the things of God. Because yes. it's not that we don't love beauty or we don't encourage people to to bring beauty into their home. But mm-hmm. I'm aware personally that right now what I think is going to make my life good is this new bedspread. <laughs> Honestly, I'm spending so much time on Pinterest looking for ideas about the bedspread. But it's not that a bedspread is bad. It's what's happening in my heart. Yeah, there's a kind of almost lust to it. Yeah. So. So embarrassingly, in the world of fly fishing, and this is part of what technology has done, the high-end fly rods these days are more than a thousand dollars. Holy Toledo! A thousand dollars for a fishing pole. What happened pole. to this stick in the string? <laughs> exactly. And I don't think twice about coveting that. Like yeah. I look at the catalogs and I look at the people having a wonderful time and they have that fly rod yeah. in their hand. And here's yeah. that imitative thing again. Yeah. You learn what to desire by watching what other people desire. This is yeah. really critical. It's called mimetic desire. Yeah. Thank you, Aristotle. Yeah. Right? So the lust of the eyes is this is this craving for things. And marketing, I mean, this is how marketing works. Oh, you think what they're doing? Put all the beautiful things in front of you. Yes. Yeah. And there's the life I want. And I want to just highlight that this is a tool that the enemy uses to pull our hearts away from God. Mm. And you you go back, you go back to the garden where um, Satan tempts Eve and, and it's, she sees it. She sees that the fruit is looks good for the eating. He's appealing yeah. to what you're looking at. Yes. Or even when um, he tempts uh, Jesus in the wilderness, one of the things he's, he presents the world to him and look at it. Yeah. Here are all the kingdoms of the world. Just look. Don't you want this? Yeah. So, I mean, there is something in us that gets really easily attached to what we see. We're, we're made that way. Yep. What we see, 
what's beautiful. We want that. But then again, what do we want most? Yes. Yes. The craving of the eyes. How does the NLT have it? What's the next piece? A craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. Yeah. So it's the the craving for physical pleasure. Yeah, the comfort culture. Yeah. The comfort culture. Yeah. And that's where uh, other versions say the lust of the flesh. Yes. The physical desires thing. The make me feel good. Do this in this moment. And man, I know this. Do this right now. Have this temporary pleasure. And that's what's going to do it for you. Yes. In 1 Corinthians 2, 15, 17, and um, it talks about the three things. So the first one being the craving for physical pleasure, which is uh, the desire of the flesh, mm-hmm. often defined as as lust, right? Mm-hmm. And lust is the desire for an object or circumstance. It's an intense desire. It's one to where you want to indulge mm-hmm. or to content yourself often at the expense of others. Like you want to take and you're not concerned. It's it's in contrast to loving, which the heart is to give. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's that insatiable craving. Yes. Oswald Chambers says the only thing that can satisfy the Mm. aching abyss of the human heart is Jesus Christ. Your heart is an aching abyss. It is. And if we don't shepherd it, there you go. We take it to all kinds of things. It's the new fly rod, it's the new car, it's the bedspread, or the sexual. It is craving right. a person's body, craving yeah. an image online. Mm-hmm. But you can lust after all kinds of things. Yeah. Right? You can lust after a promotion, a job, a, a PhD. You can a relationship. Yep. Anything. Yeah. And the scripture says that the desire of the flesh is at war with the desire of the spirit, right? That's right. It's at war. That's right. The answer is who, what do we feed more? What are we nourishing? Are we nourishing or trying to nourish ourselves with? With the world, with the flesh, with those desires? Or are we nourishing it on Christ, like you said? Right. Yeah. And then the boastful pride of life. The, how does the translation go? Well, that translation says pride in our achievements and possessions. Right. Which is a good way to put it. Yeah. The boastful pride of life. I've always thought of it's whatever it is that makes you go, look at me. Yeah. I've made it. Yes. This gives me identity. Yeah. This, validation. Yep. Yes. Right. And therefore, if you don't have it, you're nobody. You see, the sword cuts both ways. I either am craving, lusting after, boasting my achievements, boasting, you know, look look at the school my kids get to go to. Yes, and then, right. and then I'm okay. Then I'm good. Then look I'm, at the gym I get to be a member of. Mm, I feel good walking into this gym because yes. it makes me feel a part of things and elevated. And I'm I'm one of those folks who are really taking care of their body, mm-hmm. right? That's all part of this. Like the world in the gym culture. Oh, gosh. Yikes. Yeah. Man. It's all there. Yeah. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the boastful pride of life. It's all there. It's all there. From bodybuilding to yoga to triathlons, there, there can be this, I've arrived. Right. This gives me my identity. This situates me in the world in a place that I like to be. I'm now situated mm-hmm. versus identity in Christ, situated in God, 
you know, David says, the boundary lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yeah, the whole contentment The life thing. you have given me, God. Yes. I am so grateful for versus the world is teaching me a set of values. The world is teaching you a pace of life. Ooh, yes. I mean, just the parents of young children these days, the amount of time they spend in the car. Yeah. Shuttling their kids around. Mm-hmm. They call themselves taxi drivers. I'm just I'm just a driver these days. I'm an Uber driver. That's all I do now. I just shuttle my kids from music to sports and that sort I of thing. I sure felt like that in those years. Yeah. You can't get your kids in sports in a casual way anymore. It's so intense that you have to commit to it. If, you know, little Timmy is going to be good at volleyball or baseball or hockey that's it. The whole family is now committed yeah, to in. hockey. Yeah. yeah. And, and it, that's just a way of the world bringing its values into your family and into your family's pace of life. We've used this example a couple of times, but because our kids are doing it now, they'll turn their phones off on Saturday or Sunday. Uh-huh. They'll pick a day and they go, this is a no cell phone day for our yeah. family, which is an absolutely beautiful practice. I am so irritated. So at disruptive it. for me. <laughs> like, yeah, that's all fine for you all, but take my call, take my text. Yeah. What do you mean I can't reach you? Yeah. Yeah. The world teaches us availability, what we prize, what makes us feel secure. It yeah. teaches us all these things. And to define the world for a moment, friends, when the scripture talks about the world in this sense, it is the collective momentum and values of human sin Ooh. that brought together like the Tower of Babel. Okay, you get enough people all agreeing in the same direction has a force behind it that is very, very hard to resist. Yes. The world is the system of fallen humanity that is committed to making life work without God. It is the kingdom without the king. Wow. And the kingdom without the king is everywhere. And we, some of us were in a conversation the other day about AI, artificial yeah. intelligence, uh-huh. and, and where it's going. And it's very, very troubling, but we're not going to give this podcast to it. We'll try and address it in an upcoming show. Um, but we were talking about the power of the enemy, the power of the Antichrist in the world. And I said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. Right now, right now, the great enemy of the gospel is the kingdom without the king. It is the, it is the wellness and wholeness culture. The whole thing of, you know, the gyms and the self-help and, you know, Tony Robbins and Matthew McConaughey and some other people just did a big conference this week online. And, you know, you can have the life you want. Here's how to do it, everybody. We're going to teach you mindfulness. And they're using all these tools to help people create a beautiful life without God. Without Jesus. That is demonic. Yes. Oh, gosh. But that's it. You just said, That is demonic. It is demonic to help people or you help yourself create a happy life apart from God. We want the kingdom without the king, Mm. right? And so it's all, however we chase Eden, however we chase wholeness, wellness, well-being, stature, privilege, money, power, 
kids in the right music academy. It's all that if God is not a part of it. If God is not a part of it. And I just want to, I want to clarify that we're talking right now not to usher in shame. Nope. But we are talking to encourage examination. Right. Just just the self, you know, to hold up our lives before God and, and ask, where have I fallen prey to this? Because you are being hunted. Where have I fallen? Where have I given my heart away? Where am I looking apart from you and, and help me disentangle yes. from the world? The world is not a neutral place, folks. There is no Switzerland when it comes to the world as scripture is talking about the world, the collective momentum of human sin that is helping you create Babylon. It's helping you create paradise without God, yeah. life without God. And it's the air we breathe. It's all around us. It's, and we're being taught it. I'm remembering, John, as we're talking, a sentence that my, my father used to say. He'd say, it's the name of the game. And, the, you know, it might have been in whatever context. Like, you need to look a certain way. You need to be a part of this club. Um, you need to play golf. There's a way the game is played. There you go. And the whole thing, it's, it's a game, and you've got to enter in yes. in order to fill in the blank. Yeah. And this is, this is really, really difficult in the hour that we live in for several reasons. But one is the power of technology because, you know, the big lie of technology was it was going to give you all this margin to live a human life. And instead, it did the exact opposite. It took every last bit of margin from us mm -hmm. and requires you to live at the speed of a smartphone. Oh, goodness. Okay. So you walk into a convenience store these days, gas station convenience stores. The largest section in the cooler are energy drinks, you know, Red Bull, Monster, all that stuff. And there's just, what is the assumption? You need this, exactly. darling. The assumption is it's okay to live an amped life. Why do we have a Starbucks on every corner? It's okay. It's even necessary. It's good. Right, right. It's way better than okay. You you need to. Yeah, you actually need this in order to keep up with the culture that you find yourself in. And all marketing is based on this. All marketing is based on, we're going to show you the ideal life. We're going to show you the life you want. And if you come to this resort, buy this car, use this shampoo, right, then you get the life you want. So it's fascinating, hon. I don't, you've probably paid attention to our bills, but in the summer, I don't buy gear because in the summer, I'm out doing the things I enjoy. <laughs> in the winter, here in Colorado, at least, when where you're closed in a lot of the that's winter. That's where the dreaming happens. That's where the dreaming. And then the marketing works. I'm looking at catalogs and magazines and they're showing me People doing the things I want to do. Yeah. Cool stuff, yeah. right? And then the message is, if you buy this shirt, get this gear, take this trip, then you too will have the good life. So we are imitative creatures. We look at things to learn what is the good life, right? And, and this, is how, this is how it works. So here's a really delicate example, but I want to use this to show everyone the power of the world. So in the 1950s, the big thing in public schools, the rage, the scandal, the cool, the edgy was smoking in the bathroom. 
Cigarettes had come online in a huge way in the U.S., earlier in Europe. Okay, we got to just understand middle school, but even grade school, middle school, high school, you just school. When you are in school, you are in a survival for your life. Oh, right. And it is based on what's cool and what's not. And you are desperate as this developing little heart, this developing little soul. You can see the wolves. You are desperate not to stand out. You are desperate to fit in. Fit and belong. Yes. And therefore, what's not cool, I got to stay away from that. I don't, I don't want to be the, the not cool person. And what's cool, and I'm going to embrace that to the degree that my conscience will let me and my family values and stuff. But that that's the tension. Mm-hmm. Okay. So at any time, any place, that's been it, right? So in the 50s, smoking in the bathrooms, you know, like that was the big scandal and cigarettes on campus and you that kind bad of Bad boy. Oh you. my gosh. And we... We look at it now and we're laughing at it going, good grief, if it was only that. Uh-huh. Okay. So why in this moment, why in this particular cultural moment do we have thousands and thousands and thousands, so many young people, children, questioning their gender? Is it just suddenly unique to our moment? It, it just appears suddenly on the, on the scene? Is it okay now so it's come out? Yeah. Well, part of what's going on, and folks, I realize I'm walking into a very, very heartbreaking subject for many people, a subject that is full of values, assumptions, and, and frankly, it is full of the world right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to point it out and we will come back to this in a more thorough podcast in the fall, <laughs> okay? Because we, we need to record some of these out ahead of time and, and do our work and do our research. But what I just want to point out is when you are a tender little heart in an environment where you can see, if I don't fit in, I die. And, and I do not want to be the person that looks hateful, that looks intolerant, that looks mean. I don't want to be a mean person. And, and what's cool and what's happening and what's edgy and what's trendy now, oh, we are all questioning our gender. Oh, that's what's in. Right. That is part of this cultural moment. That is the world. Now, yes, there is gender dysphoria. There, is a, there are psychological realities of some human beings struggling with their gender orientation. And, and I get it. And as a therapist, I understand That's a real thing. Mm -hmm. But the volume of it and the sudden appearance of it on such a scale is where you go, wait a second. What's going on here, right? It's the new cold in the elevator. Mm -hmm. It's the new thing that's the air we're all breathing. And it's just an example of the power of culture. Yes. The power of the world. Yes. This is what we're all doing now. Yeah. Okay, and and you look back at smoking in the bathrooms, and you go, my gosh, that was that was nothing compared to, you know, heroin use, the agony, the destruction, and yeah, you know, all all that's going on now, right? Mm -hmm. Which is such a, the world is not a benign place, is what we're trying to say. The old saints would say the world is something you fight. 
Right. I think about that. Then there were saints that fleed from it. I'm, I'm, woo, get me out of Dodge and, and cells, yes. monks getting out because yes. you know, the world was so debasing and yes. polluting. Yes. Yes. Okay. So Thomas Merton's book on the Desert Fathers, I think it's called The Sayings of the Desert Fathers. It's just a little collection. It's literally a book of quotes uh-huh. from the various Desert Fathers and mothers, the men and women who fled civilization largely in the Middle East. I mean, the you know, several first centuries of Christendom um, because they felt that the world was poisoning their souls. Okay, so in his introduction, Merton is trying to explain this bizarre phenomenon. It, it took place over Europe. It took place in the British Isles and the, and the Irish monks looking for a green martyrdom is what they called it. And they just went off to live alone to yes. flee the world because they thought the world was destroying their souls. Now, can we just remind ourselves, everybody, <laughs> there was no internet. There were no cell phones. There were no films. There was no television, right? The, the pace of life was three miles an hour. Right. Because you walked everywhere you went. Mm -hmm. And still yet, in that world, they still battled the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the boastful pride of life. Right, that the force, the power was still there with the intent to destroy the soul and poison them. In his introduction, Merton says that these people saw the world as a shipwreck from which Every human soul had to swim for their life. I love that quote. It's a reminder to us of to go passively along with the currents of the world is to find yourself deeper and deeper in soul-harming, soul-poisoning, smoke inhalation of the soul, right? Yes. And farther from God. Right. The world is designed to pull you from God. Yes. Even in the kingdom without the king. Yes. Even in, quote, the good the life. The good stuff. Yeah, yeah, the good life. The good the good things are being about, you know, social justice, which is so important, but having that without the king. Without the need of the intervention of Jesus. So here's what James says in James 1.27. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. You go, whoa, wait a second. Like, that's a goal? <laughs> I didn't even know that was a goal. Wait, we're supposed to keep ourselves from being polluted, the smoke inhalation of the world, as a metaphor. That's a goal? That's a goal. Do you see how active that is? To keep oneself. So this is like smelling salts. Yeah. Yeah, because because it just struck us. And it actually struck us in a very powerful way the other night. Stacy and I were trying to pray. And we were trying to ask God some important questions about um, some mission, some trips, some ministry. We, kind of, we had a host of questions, uh, all kind of clustered around three or four important questions that we were seeking God. Mm-hmm. And it was weird. It was foggy. So foggy. And blurry. And we, we couldn't 
we are having a hard time focusing and having a really hard time hearing from God. And then in a moment of clarity, so we paused and you go, well, if it's foggy, ask why. Yeah. And, and so we just stopped and went, Lord, this prayer time is really weird. We, we can't focus. We're not present. We can't hear you. What's up? Right. And I heard the world is too much with us. We were, we were engaged in, affected by swimming in the world, and we needed to disengage. We were so affected by the world from the previous days and weeks. We were so caught up, and, and the world was affecting our questions, uh-huh. and the world's values were so—we were so caught—we were swimming in it, yeah. and we didn't even know it. Right. We couldn't pray. Holy cow. Like, wait a second, time out. And, and it was just such a graphic reminder. So here's what we had to do. We had to, we had to renounce the world in prayer, like literally out loud. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, he who loves the world is at enmity with God, is in opposition to God. We had to say, love not the world, neither the things in the world. We started praying those scriptures uh, out loud yeah. and breaking with the world, right? Paul in Galatians 6 says, I boast in the cross through which the world is crucified to me and I to the world. And so we're like, okay, okay. We bring the cross of Christ between us and the world. We cut off the world's entanglements in this moment of prayer so that we can find God again. Exactly, exactly. If union with God is the goal, and it is, the world is coming directly against that. And it affects all of us. Constantly. It's why we built the pause app. Because in the pauses, whether you do 30 days to resilient or you do just the one minute or three minute pauses, the variety of pauses we have in the pause app, it, it says, restore my union with you. Yes. That's part of the prayer. And the, the reality is because the world is constantly eroding it. Mm. from the pace to the values to the media to the images in front of your eyes, mm-hmm. all of it, right? This is the, the smoke inhalation. This is the, the room you're trapped in. So you can get out, gang. There is a way out. There is a way to keep yourself from being poisoned by the world. Just take a fresh look at your media choices. What is before your eyes? What's the values in the shows you're watching? And is that nourishing your soul? Right. What are you listening to? Really, really taking a look with the intent of wanting life. Yes. Wanting truth. Wanting, wanting God. Yes. Wanting God. This is so simple. The amount of time you give God your attention. So just you could just do some simple math. You go, well, I do pray in the morning on the way into work, and sometimes I listen to a particular um, sermon podcast, my church's podcast, or a Bible podcast I like. And you go, great, that's so awesome, well done. Now, add, do the math, and then all other media, and add up the minutes and hours, and just look at the balance sheet. Go if the majority of the media that you consume, the shows you watch, the podcasts you listen to, the music, et cetera, you know, is representing, oh, that's that's a couple hours a day for me. I mean, people spend seven hours a day on their cell phones. So, okay, that's that's several hours a day. And I squeeze a few minutes of God in. That 
that won't work. That's not going to nourish you. The world you. has you. Yeah. Yeah, just by the math. I mean, just by the sheer amount of what has your attention, what you give your attention to. And the whole ancient practice of choosing to fast from things, mm-hmm. it's not just about food. It's not even primarily about food. You choose fasts of various kinds to break the power of what's gotten a hold of your appetites. So sugar, sure. Alcohol, sometimes yes, right? But media, phones, catalogs, the gym, like what what do you need to fast from? Because it's become for you the kingdom without the king. Yeah, a little God. This is where I go for a happy life. This is where I go to feel better, but it doesn't really have anything to do with the care of my soul, and it sure doesn't have anything to do with deepening my union with God. You go, well, probably time to fast from that to break its grip on you. I mean, there was a a year early in my ministry career, you'll remember this, Stace, I was not mature enough to handle the attention I was getting. Mm. And I realized that I needed to fast from public speaking because it was poisoning my soul. What was poisoning my soul was the search for meaning, for approval, for attention, and the accolades. Right. Right? I was getting accolades uh-huh. and invitations and come to this conference yeah. and speak at this church and be the big be the big name. Yeah. And I looked at it and went, this is literally poisoning my soul. And I fasted from public speaking for six months. I just completely said, no, I can't do this. I'm not mature enough. That's it. Right? Your pace of life would be something to look at mm-hmm. and, and say, have I just fallen into the assumptions of the world about what's necessary and what a good life is right now? The name of the game. It's the name of the game, right? Um, Blaine, our son Blaine and I, when he still worked here, did a whole series on the world, which is absolutely marvelous. We're going to drop that in the show notes because it's a multi-part series. If you want a deeper dive in this, listen to that. But Stacey and I were just, yeah, we had kind of an awakening. I think you can hear it in our voices. We had a shocking epiphany of our own getting sucked into the world to the point that it was even blocking our prayer life. Right, right. And then, frankly, being pretty surprised by the community around us and and the world and its encroachment. Right, its infection. Yeah, into the lives of of those we love. So we thought we'd just come into the studio this week and say, we're sending up a flare. flare. And then point, there is a rescue. There is a rescuer. And his intent is to free us from the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life, because he loves us. Yes. And that is not going to do it. And he knows it is, it's him. Come to me. Yes. That's not going to satisfy your weariness. Yes. Even though sometimes I think what I need is Netflix for a couple of hours. And, and maybe sometimes I do, and it's a good thing. Fine. But when I'm going to it, feeding on that, and Jesus is saying, come away, feed on me. I'm life. Yes. I'm the way. I am the truth. He's our rescuer from yes. all of this. Yeah, he is. He is the rescue. So our prayer, our prayer, Lord Jesus, as we close is, rescue me from the world. 
rescue me from the world, rescue me from the assumptions I've made that there's just no getting around it. What do you mean? I have to, I have to do these things. Show us, Lord. Show us the ways the world has gotten in. Show us what the smoke inhalation of the world is doing to our souls and the lives of those around us. Show us how to resist the world, the shipwreck from which every one of us has to swim for our life. Show us what to swim from right now. In your name we pray. Amen. Friends, I guess what we're trying to say is captured in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Pursue the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. 